Uh, so we're going to be leading this, this time of adding in versus adding on. Uh, and we're exciting to be talking about this today as we are looking to press into what it looks like for us to live um, intentionally on mission in everyday life. Uh, and I think sometimes when we think about living on mission, we can get to a point where we maybe feel a little overwhelmed Uh, Maybe feel like it's not possible. Maybe feel like there's not enough time in our day. And one of the things that we want to start with is that perhaps God isn't inviting you to add a whole lot more to your life and schedule. But perhaps he's actually inviting you to grow in intentionality with what you're already doing. Now, of course, there might be unique moments and times where the God calls you guys to uh, do a block party, and that takes lots of time, energy, and effort. Maybe there's times where he's inviting you to go on a missions trip overseas, or maybe even a crazy time when he's inviting you to have somebody live with you, fill in the blank. And that, of course, is going to be a little bit more challenging, and those are add-on moments. But what we're talking about today is what does it look like for rhythmically to, to add in everyday mission into our lives. And I, I want to start by sharing a few uh, examples that we find in Scripture. And so the first one that we're going to look at is John 4. You can write it down. I'm going to summarize them. You can turn there if you'd like, but it's the, the story of the woman at the well. And so in this story, what we see is we see that Jesus has left Judea and he's making his way toward Galilee. Do you guys know where the story of the woman at the well takes place? Anybody know what city? S- somebody said it. Samaria. It takes place in Samaria. And so uh, Samaria wasn't a traditional stop. It wasn't a normal stop. But this story takes place with Jesus making a small detour into Samaria. And then he finds his place uh, himself at a pl- at, at where Where does he go as he goes into Samaria? Anybody know? Where does he go? You guys familiar? This story is called The Woman at the Well. Okay, good answers. Here we go. Good participation. Why does Jesus go to the well? He's thirsty. Let's not over-spiritualize anything here. He's thirsty. Like legitimately, Jesus is thirsty. Remember, he's fully God, fully man. He actually is thirsty. So if you're thirsty in those days, there was one place to go. You went to the well. So he goes to the well in the middle of the day and he finds this woman there. He doesn't have anything to draw water with. She does. And so he asks her for a drink, which is actually a really beautiful way to actually give value and dignity to somebody as he's engaging with this woman, asking for her help. And again, in that day and age, it was, it was actually a really beautiful thing that Jesus was doing, just asking for help from this woman. He gave her dignity, value, showed her that she was useful, showed her that she was important, that she mattered. Okay, And so Jesus engages in conversation with this woman. And then lo and behold... As he's talking, I'm going to fill in the gap a little bit here. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to him and reveal to him what's going on with this gal. He talks to her. So are are you married? She says, no. He's like, you're right, actually. You don't have one husband. You have You've had five. Uh, and, uh, and so he speaks, he prophetically speaks into her life. And he tells her about how he's got water to drink of that would make her never thirst again. And he ends up sharing the gospel with her. She comes to know Jesus. She's this outcast, total nobody, trying to avoid everybody in this town. And as soon as she hears the good news of Jesus, she then goes and she tells the rest of her friends that you've got to come. And Jesus, who he was just passing through, right? He was just trying to get to Galilee as quick as possible. And the quickest route would be through Samaria. And so instead of getting uh, to Galilee, Galilee really quick, he actually has to be inconvenienced. And he actually stays in Samaria for three extra days. And But there's good news to that is 
loads of people come to know Jesus. Loads of people give their life to Jesus and they respond to him. But it's very clear, too, that Jesus is inconvenienced. Even his disciples are actually a little bit annoyed at the whole scenario when it first goes down. But Jesus, this wasn't Jesus' plan. Jesus, his plan was go to, to go to Galilee. So on his way, he was open to what might happen. Next story is with Zacchaeus in Luke 19. So this is awesome. This is wee little, wee little man Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay? Um, and, and so it's the story of Zacchaeus, this tax collector, another just hooligan, man. He is not liked. He's, in fact, hated by his fellow Jews. Uh, but he, for some reason, as Jesus is coming through Jericho, he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. He's, he doesn't know who Jesus is. He's heard about him. He's interested. He wants to see him. He climbs up in this tree. And again, taking a little bit of liberty here with Scripture, but there's, it's almost as if there's this moment where Jesus' eyes lock on Zacchaeus' eyes. And there's like a, you. You. It's like, the Lord, again, through Holy Spirit, Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's listening. Remember, he's responding. He's filled with compassion. You, Zacchaeus, come down here. You need to have me over for dinner tonight. Uh, which, I don't know if that's exactly the same pattern we should follow. Like, hey, you, take me to dinner. Uh, but it's this beautiful picture. Again, Jericho is not the destination for Jesus. He's on his way somewhere else. He's on his way somewhere. But he is in this moment. He's inconvenienced. As he's on his way, and he's willing to be stopped, and he's actually, he's not actually stopped by Zacchaeus, he actually initiates it. He says, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house tonight for dinner. Again, he, if we're to get the story, he's giving value to Zacchaeus well before Zacchaeus ever comes to know Jesus. But many of you know the story. Later, Zacchaeus gives his life to Jesus. He pays back all the money that he stole, and he follows after Jesus with all that he has. But Jesus isn't the only one who demonstrated this. We also see this with the disciples in Acts 3. We have John and Peter. They're on their way to temple, on the way to church. And they've got this annoying beggar who's out in front, who's asking for money, who's probably a giant uh, annoyance to many of the people. There's countless people who have already walked by this beggar, who just ignored him. And he looks up at, at, at John and Peter... And he says, he's asking for alms. He's asking for money. And John and Peter, they could have just walked by and said, you know, bless you in the name of the Lord and keep going or whatever. And, but instead they stopped, potentially getting late, becoming late to temple or late to church. They stopped. They said, silver and gold I have not. But what we do have, rise in the name of the Lord. And they lift this guy up and he walks. They were so confident in God's heart. What he was about. That they were willing to stop, even if it meant being late to temple. And I love the picture that comes next. And then what happens? The man stands up, he leaps for joy, and he joins them in the temple. And they go on to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. You see, I, I bring up these examples because, one, we need to have examples in our life that, that, that somebody shows us what does it look like to, as we're going, to, to actually live on mission in an everyday way. But in each of these examples, uh, in many ways, they were doing very ordinary things. They were walking from one place to another. Jesus was getting a drink. Like, everybody needs to get a drink. Everybody needs to drink water. People needed to walk from point A to point B. Uh, and then they had this other moment where they're having dinner together, okay? These were very common things 
and which took place, but and that everybody has to do. But one thing's for sure that rang true throughout all of it is that it was definitely an inconvenience. It was not at no cost. It was an inconvenience. And Keely's going to share a little bit about uh, kind of this idea, this importance of margin and willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. So I can only really speak to my personal experience, but I definitely feel like I'm probably not alone in this. Uh, Most of the time I'm in such a rush that even when I'm not, I continue to feel like I am in that rush. Uh, It's whether I'm shouting at everyone to hurry up and get in the car, uh, telling everybody we're going to be late, or expressing that I wanted to leave five minutes ago, on and on. So uh, most of the time, my first reaction when someone stops me to ask a simple question, which afterwards I'm embarrassed that I was annoyed, but that's my first response is, what? Are you talking to me? (laughs) And so um, I'm sure I often have a scowl on my face, which is very inviting if someone did want to say something. Uh, But if I'm not willing to walk out my door and be inconvenienced or what feels like an inconvenience, then how am I really living on mission? Are you going to say something? No. No. Keep going. Uh, How am I living a life that cares more for and loves people more than I care and love my own busy life? Uh, If I'm not willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel to leave some margin in my day, uh, I will continue to feel like I'm just too busy and I can't add one more thing onto my plate. Uh, The idea of being on mission will just never make sense to me. I'll continue to feel like I just don't have time for that. So I'm not saying that we have to figure out a way to be early to everything, although that would probably be great. (laughs) It's probably very unrealistic. At least for us. Uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) Just this morning, actually. (laughs) was not early. Uh, (laughs) um, So, but what if I just stepped out my door and I just asked uh, the Lord to slow me down so that I could see who he's put in my path? So I could expect to be stopped and to have a conversation when I wasn't planning on it rather than to be caught off guard every time. Um. Uh, I found that when I stop to talk to someone, like at Lucas' school, the grocery store, baseball, or soccer, it really doesn't take up that much extra time. I feel like it is, and then I get in the car, and it's... I've wasted no time sometimes, uh, or it really didn't matter if it took up extra time. I'm already there. I'm already out. I'm not adding on uh, an extra outing. Um, I think that's it, it becomes a part of the trip that I'm already on. It becomes a part of something that I'm already doing, and that's how I can create more margin in my life and be more. that can be more of the norm rather than the rarity, it's to give someone a couple extra seconds, a couple extra minutes. Uh, Even if it does take me 5, 10, 30 minutes longer than I was anticipating to get home, uh, I don't really think there's ever been a time where we haven't eaten dinner or the kids haven't gone to bed at some point uh, (laughs) or we haven't gotten everything done that I needed to or maybe I didn't but it wasn't really that important. Yeah. Um, I I don't – yeah, I just don't really feel like there's been a time that I can recall that's been like that was a waste. Uh, Rather, I walked away almost feeling more blessed myself and more excited for I want to do that more often. I want to be more uh, caught off guard without being caught off guard more often. So I don't think this is something that, or I do think this is something that we have to be really aware of in our own life. Where are we too busy? Where are we not leaving margin? Um, Do I leave time in my life for people that are crossing my path where I'm already at, where I'm already 
going somewhere, I'm already doing something, and am I willing to be a little bit inconvenienced? Or sometimes a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have to ask for opportunities and be okay with the inconvenience. Like anything, this will take practice. Um, There's so many people who are waiting to hear about Jesus, and we're often way too busy to even notice them. So we don't have to add extra outings in to be missional. We can add mission into the things that we're already doing. Yeah. One of the things that Key touched on that's so important is is simply the question is, is there margin in your life to be inconvenienced? Like, is there margin in your life to be inconvenienced? And if there's not, you're going to have a really difficult time listening and responding to the Lord. Now, all of us... We're in Southern California. There's no doubt this is a busy, fast-paced world. And so if there's not a ton of margin in our life, what we're going to have to grow more and more comfortable with is making sacrifices for the sake of mission. If we're not willing to make sacrifices for the sake of mission, once again, we're going to find ourselves in places where we're just going to be like, that's something somebody else does. That's not something that I'm called or invited to do. So we thought maybe we'd share a little bit too of, because of, these are practical things. What does that practically look like in our life as we've looked to add in to what it is that we're already doing rather than adding on, tackling things on from the outside? Uh, when I have two stories. Uh, both are things that I've been able to add in. Uh, one was very unwillingly. Uh, Lucas goes <laughs> to school and he got a note home from a little boy in his class that he wanted to have a play date. And I was like... <laughs> he has tons of cousins around, lots of friends from church, so he has plenty of play dates. But this was an opportunity for, uh, I knew the little boy from school, I didn't know the family, um, but I was like, well, I can't just ignore the note. It was like written in kid writing and everything. So, <laughs> so I called and, um, you know, I see the little boy every day at school, didn't see the family, so it was part of something that I did regularly and every day, but um, having a relationship with this mom is definitely something that I had to work into a regular rhythm, and it wasn't a regular rhythm of constantly doing stuff with her, but now when I go to school, I intentionally look for her. So even if it takes me a couple minutes to get home, she's often a little bit later than I am getting there. Um, Because she has another pickup, too. And so now instead of rushing back to the car, it's like I'm okay with lingering a little bit longer just to say hi. Um, But we did. We had them over for a play date. They stayed, they being mom and little boy, for four hours. And the mom talked the whole time. So (laughs) this was an instance where I felt very inconvenienced. Uh, And it's been a slow process of planting a lot of little seeds and a lot of watering um, over the last nine months. Maybe Mm -hmm. they happen to live on the street behind us. But even that, like when we ride around the block or something, I don't see them regularly. So I do have to think and be intentional about there's someone here who's in my life and goes to school with Lucas, lives in our neighborhood. Like, how can I be intentional about being on mission with her and this little boy? And so um, that one, it definitely it's still my community group. Community group knows it feels like an inconvenience. Yeah. Um, But. I can add them in to things that I'm already doing, like picking up Lucas. And it means a lot. I mean, the mom talked for four hours. She needed someone. <laughs> so um, just realizing that uh, it, you know, I didn't, the day was fine. When they left, it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm never going to go to bed. Like, I still went to bed when I needed to go to bed. So uh, the other one was um, a very natural add-in to uh, VBS. Lucas had a friend from baseball. And the family, the both parents work full-time. They don't go to 
church anywhere. I think their little boy has some experience at a Christian school. I don't think right now, but uh, we were able to invite him to VBS, something that we were already doing. It was at our house. They were comfortable with us because Kevin coached with him, and um, they were so blessed that they didn't have to pay for a week of childcare for the summer for their little boy. And so uh, we, we, it was an add-in to our regular day of we have VBS, and then I have kids because I have we have our own. Uh, in the afternoon, so he did stay eight to four all week, which felt long, but it could have been so much longer had I done it another week of the summer where I didn't have something for the first three hours of the day for the kids to engage in. Um, and that little boy, he was so excited. He was answering questions that were a crack up, but he was so engaged and so excited to be learning about the gospel and uh, already wants to make sure he signed up for VBS next year. So um, those are two of how kind of added in when it could have felt like an inconvenience of like, how am I going to add these people on to my busy life? And well, here's things that I'm already doing. Yeah. If we can begin to to make this a normal rhythm of what we do, uh, we're going to begin to see God move quite a bit. I mean, for me, this is something that God began to work in my life really early in actually junior high. Uh, was the first time I realized that God could actually use me to help somebody come to know Jesus. And uh, I had a friend uh, if you don't know me, I'm, I'm a goody two-shoes, uh, I'm a suck-up, and I'm afraid of my teachers ever saying anything bad about me. So when I was in middle school, I was really popular. Uh, just kidding. Uh, uh, no, but when I was in middle school, we were in science class, and there was a guy behind me, uh, Philip Clark, who dropped an F-bomb, uh, and a kid in front of me looked over to us, and, and, and he reached around, and he said, you're going to go to hell for saying things like that. And I don't know why I said what I said. Uh, but I leaned over to him and I just looked him straight in the eyes. We're going to go to hell for a lot more than just saying the F word. And then class started. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't want to talk. I don't want to say anything. And he just, he was, kill- I was like so uncomfortable. He, I, didn't, I swear I didn't even want to share the gospel with this kid at the, at the moment. He leaned forward. He's like, what did you mean by that? And like, it was like, and then I'm like, the Bible says, for God so loved the world or for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then he kind of like, what? And, the, and so we kept going back and forth. I'm just, stop talking. I don't want to get caught. I'm so nervous about getting caught by my teacher. And he finally stops and I'm just so grateful. And, uh, and I didn't really think a whole lot of it. Honestly, I just thought it was a nuisance. I was just inconvenienced by it. I was sure I was going to get in trouble. And it was a science class too. And of course, all science teachers at Sequoia are like going to, you know, they hate God. So I think. Um, <laughs> it's just all that's going through my mind. But what I didn't know is later, uh, he, he came back the next morning and he said, Kevin, I just want to let you know that before I went to bed last night, I got down on my knees next to my bed and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even want to share the gospel with you. And, but there was, this, there was this openness to be willing even to respond. And are we willing to add in to what it is that we're already doing? Are you in school? Are, do you have a profession? Do you have friends? Do you have a community? Do you, have, do you play baseball, softball, whatever it is? Are you willing to take on that identity as a missionary wherever it is that you go to be willing to respond and it doesn't just happen in those spaces. I had another moment like six months ago, eight months ago. I'm not sure when it was. Keely and I were on a, a date. I, I should know more of the details of this. Um, I, but we were at Hook Burger in Agura. If you're on a date, don't go there. It's not a great space. Burgers are fine. Just everything. You're really close to everybody. It's a good mission spot, not a great date spot. Uh, 
And so anyway, we, we sit down, and of course, right after I sit down, I realize that I know the person next to me from a long time ago. God's given me an ability to recognize people's names and sometimes, or to remember their faces. And, uh, and so sometimes it's just, he's wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong, which is really fun, <laughs> and it makes for a great avenue for mission as well. Uh, but this time, I knew this lady, and I knew that she didn't remember me. She knew, she knew my family. She was my sister's like second grade teacher. Her name is Mr. Mrs. Snyder. Uh, or was. I think it's something else now. It doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, I Keely recognizes that I recognize this person. But you're sitting like she's... Like this close. Yeah, this like lady. she's closer <laughs> to me than Keely is. Um, and so I finally, I'm like, should I say something? Should I not say... Uh, and so I finally just like, are you Mrs. Snyder? And she's like, oh, I knew I knew you. And then we went into this conversation. And then all of a sudden we had like an hour and a half long conversation about who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel. The lady across the, the, the way from her was, an, was uh, a loose Mormon. Uh, and I, that's, that's weird terminology. Uh, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, and, and all of a sudden we're in this amazing conversation. And, and again, it's a major inconvenience to us. Keely and I, sometimes we don't get as much time as we should. And, and, and if all of our date nights got interrupted like that, it probably wouldn't be the healthiest thing because we've got to take care of our marriage. That's really important. Um, but for this one instance, we both were like, wow, like even though this is almost – mildly annoying uh, kind of odd where are we going here man God gave us words to speak into that and did they make a profession of faith right there no they didn't but man the gospel was presented they heard it and they saw something different in Keely and I that's maybe another thing that we've got to beat uh, and break through is sometimes we think that living on mission well means I tell everybody I come in contact with the gospel from start to finish Look, I just want you to know, you're not that special. Like, you can't save the world. Jesus can. And he uses all of us in different ways, shapes, and forms to speak the good news of Jesus into people's lives. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. But yes, you have a responsibility to understand the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. But you are not only living on mission well if you proclaim the gospel from start to finish with every person you come into contact. That's not how we define success. There are many people who play a role in people coming to know Jesus. But we've got to be ready to be inconvenienced. So let's talk about some obstacles. Because obviously this idea of adding in versus adding on, there's lots of obstacles that stand in the way of whether or not this is something that we're willing to do, whether or not we're willing to participate in. So Keely's going to share some of those. Uh, Just a couple of, I think, really common obstacles are kids. They take all of our time and attention. How in the world am I supposed to do anything else? Uh, jobs. Uh, you have to work late sometimes. You have to go in early. When you're done, you just want some me time. You just want uh, to get your own errands done and get home and uh, not be around people. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes we just have a really skewed perspective of what is important in our life. I think it's important to look at some of those things and and kind of reevaluate where we're spending our time and uh, what we've already added on that's not important or maybe as important. And then uh, just another thing is time. How am I supposed to make time for people who I don't know when I can hardly maintain my current friendships and relationships and kind of what that looks like and how uh, to do this together with some of your uh, friends that are already believers and then how to prioritize your time with the people that God's placing in your life for a season or a time. Yeah. 
And I'm sure each of you, if you were to think about it, what are the obstacles, and we might ask this question in a little bit, but what are the obstacles that exist in your life mm -hmm. from everyday mission? What are, what are the things that get in the way? And I, I want to maybe share one that can be one of the biggest systematic roadblocks to living on mission. And that's if mission maintains event status in your life. Meaning it's, it's something you do on occasion, like going to a rock show or a birthday party or something you do once a year. If mission keeps event status in your life, it'll always be something that you're willing to slough off. It'll be always be something that you're willing to come up with an excuse as to why not to go because it's an event. You have the option of saying yes or no. You have the option of, am I going to do this big thing this year or not? You see, the, the, that roadblock of, of mission being an event, it gets in the way for us believing that mission is part of who we are. If mission does not become a rhythm of our life, it will constantly become something that you uh, are going to struggle engaging with. Mission must become a rhythm. This is similar uh, to, we need to apply this to Christianity as a whole, right? In the West, Christianity is often viewed as an event-driven religion. Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Maybe if you're really spiritual, you have a, 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 you know, a discipling group that you attend. And these are all events. And they're not rhythms of your life. They're not who you are. If we don't let Christianity seep into the very fabric of who we are, meaning these are rhythms that we do, this is who we are, things will stay events. Have you guys ever had event after event after event after event? You guys ever had like three, three weddings in like the same month? Is that overwhelming? It's insanely overwhelming. It's crazy overwhelming. But how many of you guys went to school five days a week and had homework every night? How many of you guys have a job that you go to every day? It's a rhythm of your life. It's part of who you are. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But guess what? Actually, that rhythm becomes familiar and it actually can be something that's very healthy. If something maintains event status in your brain, you will get overwhelmed. You will get burnt out because you're like, oh, this is so extra. Rather than, no, this is who I am. This is a part of what I am, who we are, and what we do. Christianity cannot remain an event. It must become a rhythm, a lifestyle. Okay, so with that, we want to talk about some practical next steps uh, and uh, we're going to talk about kind of where to begin in any great seminar. You have a beautiful acronym uh, that always helps us remember things. And, and so for this one, we wonderfully chose the word bless, B-L-E-S-S. -S. And so um, this, is, this is where we're going to start and hopefully these will be some things that you can latch onto. So B, that's believe that you are blessed to be a blessing. That God has redeemed you and brought you into a family, not just to save you, but to use you. Ever since the beginning, when God called Abraham and, and called a people to be his own, he has always called them to be a people who are blessed to bless others. It's God's heart and desire that this world would come to know who Jesus is. You have not been saved just to enjoy his family. You've been saved and adopted to be part of God's mission and help bring others into his blessing. You've been blessed to be a blessing. Do you believe that? The B is believe that you have been blessed to be a blessing. L, this one is a twofer. 
Uh, yeah, even I break all the rules with acronyms, all right? Uh, so the L, uh, this, this one is look and listen. Actually look for people God has put in your life and path. Look for them. Not something new necessarily. Who are you already around? Regularly, who are you already engaged with? Look for them. And then you've got, we've got to be a people who listen. And this is like also a twofer. We've got to listen to God and what his spirit is saying. We've got to look for the people that he's brought us around. We've got to listen to God and what he's inviting us to step into. Remember that moment when Jesus at the woman of the well. I legitimately think he's listening to God as he's getting a water, drink of water because he's thirsty. God shows him and gives him a heart and a burden for this woman and gives him insight into this woman's life. He listened. He responded. But we also have to listen to people. You guys, we live in such a technologically driven world that you'd be amazed if you just actually listen to somebody's heart. God, I almost, if I almost guarantee you, if you actually listen to somebody's heart, God will give you something beautiful to speak into it because Jesus is the solution to every single thing that we face in our life. So if we listen well to people, man, that'll make a huge, huge difference. All right, so the L is, remember, it's the two, four. It's the look and listen, and then even the listen is a little bit of a two, four. Listen to God and listen to people's story. All right, the E, uh, another two, four. Uh, enjoy life and do it with others. This is so important that we learn how to enjoy life together. If you don't enjoy life, people are not going to think that Jesus is very good news. But not only should you enjoy life, our tendency is to enjoy life with people who are just like us. Learn to enjoy life with people who don't know Jesus. If we don't do that, our light does not shine before men. There's a panel that's happening later today about how to party well. It might sound weird, but man, Christians should party more than anybody else. We've got the most to celebrate. We've got the one who's redeemed us, the one who's made us well, the one who has a plan for us, and his, his kingdom is coming. So we have more reason to celebrate than anybody else. So we've got to enjoy life and do it with others who are far from God. That's the first E. The other E is would you expect God to show up? Would you expect God to lead you? If God desires people to come to know him and he's redeemed you, he's, he's blessed you to be a blessing, would you actually expect that he would do what he's inviting us into? Would you actually expect that God would open up doors? Would you actually expect that God would bring somebody in your path, somebody to your door, somebody in your community, one of your neighbors, one of the baristas at your coffee shop, wherever it is, would you actually expect it? S, first S, uh, this is serve, serve. Would you, would you practically uh, look or would you look for practical ways to serve? This is similar to being a, a blessing, uh, but this is kind of a more uh, narrowed in. Would you look for practical ways to serve people who are far from God? Uh, help people move, uh, potentially be generous, help pay for a bill. Uh, would you look for other unique ways to serve? Uh, you will find unique ways to serve. If you're in relationship with people who are far from God and you listen to them, if you listen to what's going on, you will hear opportunities to serve. All of these kind of build off of each other, okay? Um, so we, we've got to be a part of that. And then S is insanely important. You guys, we have to speak. You have to speak. I have wrongly quoted St. Francis of Assisi um, who says, 
Uh, and I, I, I can't – I don't think this is actually – it's just been deemed his saying. He says, preach Jesus, preach Jesus, preach Jesus, and when necessary, use words. Uh, you guys, that like tickles our ears. We love that so much because we don't have to offend anybody <laughs> ever. But you guys, that's just baloney. That's stupid. You must speak. You must speak the good news of Jesus. My uncle taught me a long time not to let people assume things. You know what they say about assuming, right? <laughs> All right? Honestly, it's cool to do good things in our culture right now. People need to know why you're different. Don't let them assume why. Because they'll probably assume something like, oh, like, how's your, I, I really like your energy. Like, could you tell me a bit more about that? Like, I'm really, like, I just have this thing about, like, grabbing things from all different religions. And, like, it's just this beautiful thing. And, like, it seems like you've got it going on. So, you know, <clears throat> people probably aren't going to come out and just be like, so tell me about Jesus. It'll happen on occasion as our light shines before men. But get to a point where you're comfortable with the gospel, where you know the gospel. When somebody asks you, hey, why aren't you having a third or fourth drink? You're saying, actually, you know what? Like, we're followers of Jesus, and like he, our, our minds, our bodies are his. And actually, like, we don't like letting our minds get clouded and, and judgy or sloppy because actually, like, I want to honor my wife and all that I do. I want to honor Jesus and all that I do. And so having extra drinks, <coughs> it's just not something we're going to do. Or, or, you know, maybe somebody's, Inviting you into whatever space it might be. Don't just say no and not participate. Let them know why you're not participating. Speak life. Speak life. Let's not leave it up in the air to assume. Um, so let's listen to him again. Bless. B, believe that you've been blessed to be a blessing. L, look and listen Look who the Lord's brought in front of you. Listen to what God is saying. And the other L is also listen to the actual hearts and people around you. E, uh, enjoy life and do it with people who are far from God. And expect that God uh, would actually lead you to people. Expect that he will draw people in. And see, you'll actually see people come to know Jesus. S, serve. Second S, speak. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. And all of this in the framework, be thinking Okay, we're not talking about adding all these different things on from the left and the right. What are you already doing? What are you already doing? And ask God to grow intentionality in you in that. Anything else, babe? We want to open it up to you guys. Questions, feedback, thoughts. Um, what, what's, what's kind of running through your mind as we're talking about all of this? <clears throat> or any questions, practical questions, any of that stuff you can ask us too. It's really good. I just good stuff. was reading something the other day um, that was goes along with this. It was talking about making our plans for the day, but then submitting that to God and realizing that He's behind the interruptions. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a really neat way to look at it. Yeah. We can schedule every hour, but we actually welcome what comes and, and sure. instead of looking at it like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is not supposed to happen right now. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, God's sending this in right yeah. here. How am I going to respond to that? It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, I think I have a good question. Yeah. We live in a pretty, in a world that really thinks we're enlightened. 
So what do you do when you come across someone that is just barraging you with questions and you might feel outmatched sure. by the facts? That's a really good question. So first, like engaging in conversation, we're actually at a time where some people are actually, some people are super thirsty about it and thirsty for it. Some are thirsty for it because they want to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when, when we're in conversations with people who are antagonists, that word, yep, thank you. Uh, we got to be careful. Scripture talks about finding the men and women of peace. Like there's certain people, it's interesting with the woman at the well and interesting with Zacchaeus. Like we didn't see this, we didn't see Jesus doing this with everybody actually. Mm -hmm. Like there were other times where he actually blew the crowds up and like sent them away. And, but there are times where it's like, God, you're highlighting this certain person. So uh, one, I would say that uh, if we had more time, I would talk about what a man or a woman of peace is. And that I believe God is calling us first to those people. Meaning, who has he already prepared? Who has he already mm -hmm. prepared to hear? Because there's people like Zacchaeus who are just thirsty for Jesus. There are others that are long, especially if these are people in our family who are antagonistic, who are a little bit yeah. stubborn. Man, Jesus is calling you to love them really well and to not be afraid to say, you know what, that's a good question. That's one thing I love, the difference between Christianity and a cult uh, is that cults, when, when, when doubt comes up, they either kick you out uh, or they, they don't let you have those doubts and those questions. It's actually okay to have questions. God's not afraid of the questions. Uh, and when I was a youth pastor, it was funny when I left almost, I, I don't know if I should have been insulted by this or encouraged, uh, but the, almost every one of my staff members said that one of their favorite things about me, and this isn't to boast by any means, uh, was that I was okay with saying, I don't know, let's look into that. And so if they're asking these questions that are really hard, you know what? That's a really good question. Let's look into that. Or I'll look into that and get back to you. Um, and but eventually, again, if it's a hostile environment, I don't really encourage people too much to engage in that conversation outside of, God, how can I actually put your love on display here? Because mm -hmm. ultimately, that's going to be what needs to break hearts. It sounds like what you're saying is, maybe, and this is something that I've encountered in my life, because I've had a lot of those conversations, is not to respond to antagonism with antagonism. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It immediately summons your own pride right. to think to yourself, I should be able to outmatch this person. For sure. They're challenging me. And... You need to just kind of right. disengage that. And most of the time with people who are antagonistic, there's lots of ways to disarm. Like, Because a lot of times they'll throw out a statement that isn't true. And you're like, yeah, I don't, you can disarm it, but I don't believe that either, actually. You know, whether it's like, um, uh, why would God want this to happen? Uh, or something along those lines, especially if it's something evil. It's like, God doesn't want that to happen. I don't, I don't agree with that either. You know, let's talk about that. What does that look like? Or um, why does God hate gay people? Like, uh, actually, I, that's a really bad statement. God doesn't hate gay people. Let's talk about that. We actually have a God who is loving and who gave his life up for. Like, I love gay people. Uh, and so we have a way to actually engage in conversations where we can start to disarm. But if we ever start to get defensive, that's a really good sign. Like, okay, I need to step back, mm -hmm. take a deep breath. Because you actually don't have to be defensive for Jesus. Like, mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't, he's the king of the universe. He doesn't need you to defend him. Uh, so... But that's a good question. It can be really tiring, especially if it's family members. Mm -hmm. uh, we know, I know from experience a little bit. So, other questions, thoughts? Well, why don't I ask you a question? What obstacles stand in your way of engaging in mission in everyday life? <laughs> this is a very specific question, and you can, you can generalize it if you want. 
um, for the public school classroom. Sure. With I have laws right. like working against me. Yeah. What would you say to me? Sure. It's uh, a really good question. <laughs> and uh, this is common in, in workplaces. Lots of workplaces have similar things. Uh, there is nothing keeping you from blessing people. Uh, there's nothing keeping you from loving on people. And I would say probably the best example is to put the love of Jesus on display in your classroom. And then you look for opportunities outside of class. Because, uh, again, easy in class, it's like that's a great way to add in. And you can actually – you can't proselytize, which you're not allowed to do. Um, but you are able to incorporate uh, – at least principles of scripture are very clear and be speaking the truth of the gospel without saying specifically in John 3.16, this is what it says. Um, but I, I, I would say look for opportunities to speak in. Also ask God to highlight hurt mm-hmm. in your class. Ask God to highlight all right, who's hurt, what families are hurting, what families mm-hmm. are broken, and see if the Lord opens up pathways into their home. Mm-hmm. That, 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 it's a tricky one, I think. Mm-hmm. So... Anna. What's a way to bring other people into, like, sure. I don't know, people that God has highlighted or that you're, especially if, like, you're really challenging people. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that would be my question. Wait, so what's your way to bring other people into, like, the, like backup? Yeah. Okay. Because if you're just like, oh, I'm, like, exhausted. <laughs> like, just to have more people instead of, sure. like, oh, yeah. I think sometimes we talk about adding in, like, like inviting that exhausting person to something you're already doing with other friends that are believers. But I think in a situation like that, it's important to talk to your other backup mm-hmm. and get them on board beforehand and praying for that person beforehand and um, joining with you rather than you bringing someone else along in some of those situations. I think that's one way. Um, I think sometimes we think, oh, add in, oh, I'm having this person over to watch this show or whatever. I'll invite them too. But for a situation like that, it could not be beneficial in what anybody needs. And so talking to that other friend first and, hey, I I need some help here. Can I invite them to this night or can we do something? Can, you know, we go out to lunch, can I invite her one time or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Just avoid the... The in, the over the top obvious like I had, I was having a conversation with my friend who is a Jehovah's Witness. We're having an incredible conversation about the gospel. It was beautiful, wonderful, and he he's like, oh, I'd like to talk more about this. I'm like, sweet, you got you should come over to my house and we'll just chat. And then like he shows up with like Mr. Backup who like leads the conversation and it's like this whole bait and switch. You don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'd avoid again. I'd encourage against that. Mm-hmm. But always we should always be looking. Again, if, if I'm not Savior, remember this is like the church collectively is carrying the message of Jesus. So as if we can introduce non-believing community into the community of God, man, then there's opportunity for multiple people to be light, multiple people to share that burden together. Um, the other thought along those lines is uh, for those of you guys who are engaging in this, at least to some degree, would you invite others to be a part of it? Most of us don't need more information about whether or not Jesus is really the good news. Most of us need help in like starting. How do, mm-hmm. how do, what's, what's step one? And I'll just tell you, uh, well, one of, like just get into conversation with people. I know that sounds so weird, but like 
talk to somebody in the grocery store. Like you're you're next to somebody. You're in an elevator. I know it's awkward. I, <laughs> elevator's probably the worst. I hate, hate, hate the elevator. Uh, but like actually, like if you start talking, you'll be shocked if you talk to somebody in your grocery line. Like mm-hmm. people actually start talking to you. They're not annoyed. They're like, finally, this was so awkward. I'm just so glad we can be talking about something. People, we're communal people. We're actually, even if we don't really like people, we're made. It's part of our DNA to be with people and be in conversation. Have conversation. The other is invite people to do what you're doing. You don't have to pretend like you've got it all together. I coached my son's baseball team this last year, and I told my buddy Jake, I said, I'm only going to do this if you do it with me. He doesn't have kids. I said, we're doing this to help love and put the love of Jesus on display. And we had this one instance where uh, after our, the other assistant coach with us, his name is Pat, and uh, we uh, went to institution. We had a beer together. We had a great time. And uh, Jake was actually talking about uh, the church and the gospel, and it was beautiful. It was really neat. And then afterwards, we got in the car, and I immediately started praying. And we were praying for Pat specifically. Um, and Jake, it was like this thing. He's like, oh, I've never done that before. Like, I need... Well, that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So we invite people on this journey with us, not because we've got it down pat, mm-hmm. uh, but we've got to do this. And so maybe the last thing, because we've got to wrap up here, uh, you can take that acronym that we wrote, and then you circle the whole thing and write prayer over it. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. It's got to be part of our rhythm of life. Pray for people specifically who is already in your life. I know each and every one of you, there's people in your life that God is calling and inviting you to put the love of Jesus on display. The other challenge would be in that area of margin, if you guys do not have margin in your life to be inconvenienced, hear the Lord invite you. It's time to shake it up. Mm -hmm. It's time to reevaluate your life and make sure that there's room for him and the spirit to move uh, because he's made you to be a blessing. Sound good? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we just thank you for uh, being an incredibly good God. And Lord, we just, I, I confess my, my desire sometimes to build my own kingdom and to not be interested in yours. I confess uh, my hesitancy to engaging in mission intentionally. And Lord, we ask two things. One, that you would simultaneously be teaching us and reminding us of how your good news is still incredibly great news to me. It is the best news. Lord, would we truly believe that? And Lord, would that just pour out of our lives as we seek to follow you and to live life intentionally on mission in everyday life. I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters here right now. I actually pray that next year maybe we can all gather together and we can tell stories of how, God, we actually got to see you move this year. Of how we actually got to see you redeem or plant seeds or what have you. But, but God, we actually we want to put ourselves forward right now. God, we don't want to come back next year and everything be exactly the same. We expect you to move. Lord, thank you for blessing us to be a blessing. Lord, help us look and listen. Help us enjoy life that you've given us. Enjoy it together with those who don't know Jesus. Help us expect you to move. Lord, help us serve sacrificially like Jesus, you have done, and help us speak the gospel. Help us speak empowered by your spirit. We love you, Lord. Thanks for this time. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.